you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Around the NFL podcast, eats meat and lots of it. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? And eat that meat, Mark Sessler. Come on back. We're waiting. Hey, Dan. <laughs> I mean, the money tags are becoming more bizarre by the week. Well, we do eat. And it. also factually incorrect. Come on back. To some degree. Dan had some Korean barbecue this weekend. I mean, oh. we, we love the meat. Uh, you know, you, you were not included in that, but the three, the rest of us make up for you. Not only did I have Korean barbecue, I mean, what a family affair this podcast is. Korean food in Koreatown, uh, chosen by Greg. I said, Greg, <laughs> tell, us, tell us, my wife and I, where to go. Went to this place that he liked. We need somebody to watch the kids. Chris Wessling, Uncle Wes, wow. and Aunt Lakeisha watch the boys. <laughs> Good boys. And um, and now we're all together here in the studio. And Mark, you were around. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't play any any serviceable role. There. Mark, keep getting left out of these things. No, I mean, I feel like you would be happy to be left out of that. You know, I, child yeah, rearing. Child care is something I'm already involved with. Exactly. And picking out meat restaurants is not something you would go to. Before. Ah. <laughs> Um, this is the week four Sunday recap show, our flagship show. Uh, so we're going to go through all of the games that were played on Sunday one by one, as we do every week. Uh, it's also streaming on video. Uh, so we get we have everything coming to you guys. Uh, great content. And it was a week, uh, Greg, where if you went to an NFL game hmm. uh, and you wanted to root for your favorite team, there's a good chance you went home disappointed Home teams two and eleven. What in week four entering Sunday night? We don't know at this time. We don't know what's going to happen uh, in New Orleans. Uh, but two and eleven, the home teams went in week. That's four. outrageous. Including I, Thursday I, night. I'm taking a stand. That is outrageous. Although I do think home field advantage is a little overrated. You know, we always we make a big deal out of it. Ultimately. Well, this week it was. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's overrated as a. <laughs> it's just like concept. it's just like a yeah. It's just sort of like a extra little. Thing, but you know, you make a big deal about it. Come on, come, come down in September. All right, 
Okay, that's an interesting. I thoroughly thing. disagree, but I but I hear what you're saying. Greg. So we're going to go through all these games. Many of them, as I just said, will feature mm-hmm. teams on the road that stepped up in a big way. And why don't we start in the game everybody was excited about? Western New York, the Buffalo Bills, three and zero feeling themselves, welcome the New England Patriots to town. Would the Bills make a huge statement, or would the Patriots do Patriot things? And a third and ten snap to Barkley, drop back. There's pressure, he's hit, ball high in the air. It'll be intercepted, Jamie Collins down the left side. First out of bounds. But the interception was forced by Kyle Van Noy, who hit Barkley with a deflection to Collins with 127 to go here on the fourth. Bob Sochi with the call. Uh, do we have Scott Zolak on suspension on the show after his absurd, ridiculous Antonio Brown cheerleading in week one? Is that what we're doing, Ricky? All right, don't worry about it, Ricky. Good talking to you. Uh, Patriots <laughs> Radio Network with the call. Uh, yes, Jamie Collins comes down with the loose ball off the hit from Kyle Van Noy on the pass attempt from Matt Barkley. 127 to play ceiling. A Patriots 16-10 to win over the Bills in Orchard Park. The Bills made this a game after a very slow start, but there would be no magic when Barkley replaced an injured Josh Allen. Greg, who bravely locked up the Patriots in this game. That's, that's God right. Didn't see a lot of offense on display in Buffalo. No, you asked, uh, you know, going into this game, did the Bills make a statement or did the Patriots do Patriot things? I, I guess it's both because the, the Bills made a statement. They made Tom Brady look worse than he has in – in a long time. This was his lowest passer rating since 2006 in a game. It's the most passes he's ever thrown in a game uh, without getting to 200 yards. Didn't even get close. He had 150. He was under 50% uh, com- completion. They had seven drives where they went three and out. They had only a couple more where where they got one first down. They did nothing offensively, and late in the game, they were inside the five-yard line with a chance to go up two scores, and they smartly kicked a field goal. And I thought that was Bill Belichick saying, this Bill's defense is is too good for us. We need to just go up six points. That's the kind of defense Buffalo played, but they get a special teams touchdown. They knock out Josh Allen in the fourth quarter, and they do a lot of things defensively on their own to get the win. That stopped me in my tracks. The decision fourth and goal to not go for it because it feels like a Patriots thing that they would go for it and sense the moment but you're right they had that much faith in their defense which they should New England's defense is incredible and the Bills just weren't moving the ball yeah I mean you locked up New England but if someone had told me that you would have held Tom Brady to 3.8 yards per attempt sub Gabbard zone if you would have given up only 16 points to this offense and if Frank Gore would have run for 109 yards at 6.4 yards per carry I would have locked up the Bills I would have thought they're going to find a way to, they're not an explosive offense but find a way to get 17 points in this I mean game. the difference was the punt return touchdown the Patriots scored. The Patriots offense only scored 10. Bills offense scored 10. And the Patriots defense was very lucky to hold the Bills to only 10 because the Bills did do a better job, especially in the second half, moving up and down the field. But the situational defense that the Patriots have, especially in the red zone with Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy and everything that they can do was really special today. You're tipping your tap. You're tipping your cap to a good Bills defense and a well-coached team. But how much of this do, does it raise any red flags for you on the Patriots' offense? It's a long season. I, I said going into this game, I didn't think their offense was nearly up to speed. Their offensive line got pushed around. I think this Bills defense had a great 
plan for them. I mean, yeah, they have to be. A, they're going to be a different team in December, one way or another. Whether they're better or worse, they're going to be totally different. The fact that they were able to sneak out uh, a win was nice. The P scale was high, though. Uh, you, you know, you haven't asked me that in a while, oh, and wow. I just felt like they were not the better team in this game, and so my P scale was, was. And I won't be high. asking you on Thursday's preview show when they are preparing for the Washington Redskins either. Uh, <laughs> nice schedule for the Pats so far. Feel free to lock that game up, by the way, Greg. Oh, I, yeah, I might. There's, there's no rules. <laughs> I might lock it up because I'm 0-4 in the locks. So we'll get to that on Thursday. Uh, John Brown, biggest individual play of the game, um, takes the pass from Matt Barkley um, this late in the fourth quarter. Uh, gets stopped at the one yard by Stefan Gilmore, who makes an incredible tackle, and that was the closest that the Bills came. They they came very close to tying this game, and multiple times. Stephen yep. Hauschka misses a field goal, a very makeable field goal at the end of the first half, which uh, you know obviously every point counts in a low scoring uh, game like this. The uh, the Patriots knocked out Josh Allen in what you know I think is the controversial call, but I don't think it was a, a dirt. I mean, a controversial hit. They called the penalty on the Patriots. It was a play where they were trying. It was a desperate situation. They're trying to stop him from getting a first down. He was picking up about six yards. And and I think, who was it? It was J.C. Jackson just knocked him right in the helmet, like cold in his tracks. They, they flagged him. I didn't think it was anything dirty necessarily about it, but it changes the game. Barkley came in there, had better decisions, moved the ball actually a little better than Josh Allen did, Can't but play. there were multiple throws where he just didn't have the Can't arm play. to, to complete no, the I thought it was interesting game. the Bills – tweeted out a video of Micah Hyde, Buffalo defend, defender, saying that but Brady would have, if someone hit Brady that way, they would have been ejected. There I mean, might it's, be it's something, a controversial thing for a team to tweet out. There might be something to that. Because in, in that play, Josh Allen has kind of has his head down and is running. I, w- I just assumed he was getting that first down before he got knocked over. And you're treating him like a running back, and that's that's what happens. And this shouldn't be lost in the in the mix either with Allen because he does go out with a head injury, and hopefully it's okay and not something that keeps him on the sidelines. Did not play a good game. Greg, maybe you could shine a little more light on no. it. But just from what I saw, when you look at his numbers, three interceptions, um, they only scored, uh, what, 10 points when he was on the field. And in general, uh, we talked about this leading into the game, this was a big like spotlight check on Allen and he did not exactly step up to it. He can't shoot straight. He hasn't in the first three weeks either. I mean, he started out the game totally abysmal. One for eight with two fumbles and two interceptions and 10 yards in the first quarter. He's not accurate. They came out after halftime. I think Brian Dable, who's their former Patriots coordinator, did a smart thing starting in them in tempo. They did a hurry up. They had a great touchdown drive. That was the only time they looked good all, year, all game. Don't know why they didn't go back to that. But three interceptions and a couple fumbles, one that got overturned by penalty. No, he he hasn't looked that much better. I can't think of a quarterback in the league where I would love to know what team brass truly think about him behind the scenes because there's mm. a lot to like about Josh Allen. Him. No, I think there's a lot to a lot to him that's positive, but the turnovers are you cannot advance in the NFL with that kind of an issue. This is this is an a veteran defense. It really hit me today how, how old the key guys are. It's not a young defense. I mean, Devin McCourty's playing as well as he ever did. Jamie Collins is wearing the captain's green dot right now. That's where Jamie Collins is right now. Played every single sa- snap. 79 <laughs> snaps today. I, you're just Don, trying to get Mark Angle. Dante Hightower's gone, and he was better than Dante Hightower could have been. You know what? It, it is an honor. It's a total testament to New England because when he went to Cleveland and they paid him a ton of money, and they were not a good team, obviously, on any level, but he, he was accused by fans and onlookers and tape watchers of being a guy that was taking 
plays off and series at a time off, and you got the worst version of him. He goes to New England. They totally flipped the switch on the dude. Well, if you'll remember, the reason why the Patriots traded him in the first place was the reports that he was freelancing on mm. defense and was just doing whatever he wanted to do. But it's, si- it's now, similar though. to Kyle Van Noy. I mean, who is he in Detroit? Right now, he is the best player in the Patriots' front seven, and, and he had a big He's game a today. defensive player of the year candidate if he keeps playing like this. By the way, before, that would be amazing. <laughs> before we move on, I want to point one thing out. We've been joking about it the last couple of weeks. The um, tired um, uh, insight that the way to get to Tom Brady <laughs> is to, you know, you get pushed that middle, win the battle in the trenches, get pressure in his face. Well, there is a Patriots version of that as well that you hear oh. every game. Anybody want to take a crack at it? Oh, because the Bills did a good job of that. They moved him off his spot. They said that about 10 times, and they did a good job. The Patriots version of the tired cliche analysis, Bill Belichick, this is what he does. He takes away the one thing you do best. (laughs) That's true. Takes away that one thing. been hearing that since the 80s. Started with Marshall Falk. I don't even know what that means. Takes away the thing that you do best, and then now try to beat us. Let's move on. Unlike other coaches attempting that. Thurman Thomas 35 years ago or whatever. Takes it away. Takes it away. We can, we can go. tucked in there <laughs> off the right hip. Hand off Darrell Williams trying to dive. Dive, dive, touchdown! Kansas City! Darrell Williams gets barely into the end zone with 20 seconds left in the game to put the Chiefs up 33-30. Mitch Holtus, Chiefs Radio Network, with the call. Yes. Darrell Williams takes it in. For one yard out, Patrick Mahomes converted a fourth down with a run of 15 yards to extend that game-winning drive. And the Chiefs survive after a Hail Mary that closed it. A 34-30 win over the Detroit Lions at Ford Field in a game that, uh, listen, they don't hand out medals and they don't hand out lollipops uh, to teams for losing. But the Lions deserve credit here for really playing uh, the Chiefs wire to wire. And they played really well in this game. They played well on offense. Matthew Stafford uh, played, again, good football. Um, on Johnson had 125 yards, and the Lions uh, rang up about a buck 75 on the ground. Uh, their defense, specifically uh, their secondary, avoided giving up big plays, which, of course, is what the Chiefs do. And the, the, the front four of the Lions consistently got Mahomes uncomfortable and mm. gave him, I wouldn't say ha- happy feet, but caused him to just throw him a little bit out of sync. Like when you watch this game again, especially in the first two quarters, I'd say there will be three or four plays that the Chiefs hit with regularity that go for 50 yards or 80 yards or 75 yards. And he just, Mahomes just kept missing them. So, and mm. it's, it's, a, it's a credit to the, the Lions for their effort, but it's also a reminder that in a game where Patrick Mahomes does not throw a touchdown pass, which has only happened four times in his career, and he had 14 straight games. That streak ended where he had at least two touchdown passes. Well, he doesn't need to fill up the box score to lead this offense. They they still uh, put up 34 points. He still went over 300 yards, and when it mattered most, when they're down three points, he takes over at their 21-yard line and goes 79 yards on 13 plays. Uh, for the clinching touchdown. So uh, the Chiefs showed me a little something, a little backbone uh, in a game that could have easily gotten away from them and they would have survived if they would have lost and moved on, but they decided to find a way to close it out. And the Lions, they deserve some respect. They didn't win, 
and I still don't think the Lions are any powerhouse West in the NFC. Uh, but I absolutely think they showed us today that when they're having a good day, they could play with anybody. I started developing some feelings for the Lions last week against the Eagles. I'm not saying I'm falling in love with them, but mm. there are some feelings there where this team is frisky. They seem to be well coached, whereas last year the whole narrative was that there might be almost a rebellion going on because nobody liked Matt Patricia. But they seem to be well coached. They seem to play together well. And, and like I said Thursday, they have good starters. I just – if they have an injury or two on offense, I think they're cooked. It's, uh, I mean, it, it seems like it was a game of what-ifs, though, because they had four possessions inside Kansas City's eight – yard line and came away with 10 points. There were three mm. Chiefs fumbles at one turn of the point of the game where Detroit came away with no points off of that. But I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, watching this out of the corner of my eye, the crowd was super into this. I think we've, I've panned Lions fandom. I panned the home stadium. I panned everything to do with Detroit for a long time. I'm with you. This feels like a different operation. And it's not that surprising if you're Matt Patricia that there was a rebellion. If you're going to bring in a Belichick-like culture change, most teams are going to bounce on that in year one. And they got rid of some of those guys that didn't fit. So the big, uh, you mentioned issues in the red zone. The biggest turn in this game, it was a 14-point swing. So Walt Anderson is the official, the lead officiate, uh, official of this crew that in this game. It's the same Walt Anderson crew that blew the whistle in week two on Rams Saints, costing the Saints a long time. They're having a good return. year. I mean, Walt Anderson has been an NFL official almost longer than Erica, our our producer, has been alive. I mean, like the lead official. That's how he's definitely been an official for a he's lot longer than that. That's so, ridiculous. Walt, I'm sure, got called to the carpet after that game at the Superdome where they prematurely blew that play dead. Who knows how that game turns out if uh, that touchdown stands for the Saints? Well, this was this showed some growth or perhaps um, the ability to know that your job could be on the line if you don't straighten out because he does not blow the whistle on a carry on Johnson play near the goal line where he reaches out. Uh, about six inches shy of the goal line. It gets knocked out of his hands. Uh, and Brashad Breland, to his credit, uh, he just jumps in out of nowhere, scoops it up, starts jogging the other direction. No whistles blown. No one is playing the ball. And he just jogs into the end zone. It's ruled a touchdown on the field, and then it stands on a r- uh, review. So it goes from it was 13-13. What could have been a 2013 Lions lead was all of a sudden a 2013 Chiefs lead. Mm. And again, to Detroit's credit, that was an absolutely crushing uh, setback at that point. I, Greg, I believe you uh, heard me say this game's over at that point because you just assumed that the Detroit Lions would crumble after that. To their credit, they kept on coming back. In fact, they took three leads in mm. the second half, uh, but Mahomes and the Chiefs kept coming, and uh, they deserve credit for that. Was Stafford banged up in this? I, I thought I'd overheard that he was uh, not in full health. I didn't see anything. Um, uh, maybe there was a, something of a, a hip issue. I'm not sure. I, I would have to He entered more. the game with a hip. Yeah, he was playing through it. it but it, he played great, and he's. I think he's been very good for them uh, this season on balance. They, th- it shows I, that the Chiefs are playing a different game than everyone else, though. When you're at, when you're without Tyree Kill and the other defense does all these good things to you, and Mahomes doesn't throw a touchdown, and you still wind up with 438 yards. Oh, completely. They're just like that's <laughs> like the baseline. Yeah, and I and I I kind of did hit on it a little bit, but in that touchdown drive, the 13 play 79 yard drive that led to the game winning score. The Detroit Lions have the Chiefs at fourth and eight. Uh, in the Chiefs are in their own side of the field, 
and they have the play well covered when Mahomes drops back to pass and Mahomes takes off for 15 yards, keeps the drive alive. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is this shows that this is a bad Mahomes game. You know, we see bad Cousins games or bad Trubisky games or bad Flacco games. In a bad Mahomes game, they score 34 points. He rushes for 54 yards <laughs> and has a higher ESPN QBR than Matthew Stafford, who threw for three touchdowns and oh, played almost it, flawless. Game. And at the end of the game, when with the game on the line and him set up to march for a potential game-winning score, I had no internal doubts that he was going to get it done. And and I know in a it, bad Mahomes game. I know it's early. But I'm sure I wasn't the only Patriots fan, and maybe Ryan Bartlett, our, our producer, as a Chiefs fan, was tracking the Patriots score. I, I was, you know, seeing this and thinking we're down to the last two undefeated teams in the AFC. These were the best two teams last year. They kind of look like the best two teams so far. Like the race, every loss between these two teams, I think, is important. And so I think, you know, well, it's clinched now for the Patriots. Why is that? Because the Chiefs can only win 15, and the Patriots will win 16. I don't think that's going to happen. So that that's over. Just saying, each each one of the you, they're not going to be able to afford many losses. Yeah, that's true. It's big. All right, let's uh, check in on the AFC North. Mayfield with Chubb behind him, toss sweep near side. Here comes Chubb with a cutback. He's out to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Here he goes to the 50. Here goes Chubb. He's going to go 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. He's got a hat trick. Wow, 88 yards by Chubb. Jim Donovan with the call, Browns Radio Network. If you're sensing in Mark Sessler's voice a little extra, you know, pep to it, and if you look at it the way he's walking around pep, NFL pep, Network, pep, his little confidence, step. confidence, he's skipping, smiling, happy. He's a happy man. Strutting. And there, there is a direct correlation, everybody. The Browns win. Mark's happy. So we need the Browns to keep winning, just like today. 88 yards, Nick Chubb. It's a. You told, you told our entire British audience that uh, without we had not spent more than eight seconds together all day, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> you sit next yards. to each other. What are you talking about? You know, there was a there was a difference to Mark Sessler today, and it's because of those Browns. Eighty-eight yard touchdown run by Nick Chubb, uh, an important and impressive forty to twenty-five win for the Browns over the division rival Ravens. Mark, out of nowhere, the Browns two and two. Share first place in the AFC North. They're okay. They're okay. It's and maybe better than okay. It's how they won today, how they performed from wire to wire on both sides of the ball. That has me, and I was thinking about this downstairs. It this is the biggest Browns win in 10, 15 years. There was a year they were ten and six that they didn't make the playoffs. Here's why I think that's the case. Because we are two or three days removed from most people thinking that Freddie Kitchens is someone who's in totally over his head, that Baker Mayfield talks more than he performs in year two as a quarterback, that the offense, which came in with so much hope, looked completely broken, and there, the, the, the words coming out of Cleveland from the coaching staff did not sound like, we plan to adjust, we just plan to keep doing what we're doing. And there was legit concern about where this team was going and what the reaction would be for me three or four weeks from now if they started one and five. Or, you know, one and five, you go into your bye, then you play the Patriots. Season over. This is your most natural rival outside of Pittsburgh, the Baltimore Ravens. They were they came from your own belly if you're a Browns fan. They were pulled out of the Browns' failure when they moved. It's a disaster, and they've been dominated by Baltimore for so long. And I thought this was the kind of Ravens team that might be the worst type of team for Cleveland to match up with. And 
Steve Wilkes has done an incredible job with Cleveland's defense. And I think we all we talk about is Cleveland's offense over and over. It happened against the Rams. They had a great game plan with with their two with four defensive backs starter, starters out last against the Rams. Greedy Williams and they, they had two cornerbacks out again today, and you cannot tell the way that they shut down Lamar Jackson outside of some very frisky runs by the Ravens quarterback. They did a great job against Baltimore's mm. offense, and that Nick Chubb run was something else that I have not seen them do this year. Really, you have to go back to last season where they kept taking hope away from the opponent, and Nick Chubb had not, you know, they. I thought they needed to center this attack more around him. They found a way to do it today. Baker Mayfield was not badgered from wire to wire the way he has been in the other three games. And you got this result. It is hopeful. They've got a short week before they play the Niners. But I thought that they looked like a different offense that, against what I thought the coach was going to do, adjusted, made adjustments, and got their act together. And it was it couldn't have happened a game sooner. I'm not sure how this believing your own hype phenomenon works, but they must have just, like, they just picked this week to stop believing their own hype, according to the narrative. And it came on a day where Odell Beckham was not a factor at all. Yeah, what are the odds that he gets 20 yards on seven targets in a 40-burger in Baltimore? Big-time concern if you're a Ravens fan about the state of this defense. I think, you know, we said going into it, this is a Browns offense that good defenses should handle right now. I, I think the Browns offense that showed up today is was probably, it was a lot about them. But still, this Ravens defense, when you, it's so early in the season that we it's such a small sample size that you see them against the Dolphins and the Cardinals and you think you think one thing, but as we're getting more information, they just don't look like the Ravens defense we're used to seeing. And, well, they've put all their resources into offense the last two years. And Lamar Mania, which was you know running wild in weeks one and two, things have cooled off a little bit, it seems, in week three and four. What did you see from Jackson, Mark? Well, they, they, they put the clamps on him early. And, you know, the, the, I thought that he was going to – potentially fry them with Marquise Brown and they didn't that connection did not work today and I, it, it to me it is it is partially Baltimore but I have to say Cleveland's defense is playing in a way that I, I just don't remember them playing and they've been good in every game except that opener where they got tired out against the Titans I think you can say Lamar Jackson's a special talent and he's as bright he has a bright future and also point out that the only two quality defenses he's faced in his career, are the Chargers' defense that shut him down in the playoffs and the Browns' defense that shut him down today. Hmm. Joe Schobert's been playing well. I mean, they're just deep, the uh, deep. the Browns' defense. They're good on every level. How about a little Steve Wilkes come up? Didn't expect that to happen. Top 10 defense this year. Hmm. And the Browns have another primetime game next week against the Niners. Would anybody be surprised if that defense steps up again? I mean, we'll save that conversation for Thursday. But uh, it does feel, feel like the possibility that they might have turned a corner with this game. I want to see Mayfield, you know, do it week after week. I mean, I want to see this game closer, too. But it sounds like he looked he was making decisions, was more comfortable than he's Yeah, it, it just looked like last year's attack, where the first three weeks, to me, was something completely different and uninviting. First but- place! First place, Marky. I mean, yeah, baby. first place in week four. Well, talk to me in week 14. Or but roughly. first time in first place since when? Since, actually, I it was a night when they beat the Bengals on Thursday Night Football. Oh, when, yeah. Like five years ago. Ryan Hoyer. Yes, when wow. you, you got you, – you, I believe the podcast recap dialed Dan and I up at Lost and Found. That was a boozy <laughs> evening, as <laughs> I recall. Let's move on uh, to the NFC North. 
One sack, one takeaway by the Bears. Defense without Hicks. And a Roquan boozy evening. 25-yard line under center. Sidestepping to the pocket. Oh, the throw hit from behind. Oh, ball. ball is out inside the 15-yard line. Piled up. Bears have taken it away. First snap of the second half. As Kirk Cousins gets sacked on first down. Huge play. Jeff Joniak, Bears Radio Network with a call. Khalil Mack makes big plays. And you heard another one there. Chase Daniel... Uh, threw for 195 yards and a touchdown after Mitch Trubisky went down with a left shoulder injury on the opening possession. And the Bears' defense absolutely took it to Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins in a 16-6 victory over the Vikings. Um, This was a home win, a win for the home team. Uh, The Bears absolutely um, took it to the Vikings. Mark, your thoughts on this. Or Wes, this is your game, correct? It was. Yes. Your thoughts on the effort by the Bears' defense? Well, I know everybody wants to give their State of the Union on Kirk Cousins after every (laughs) Vikings loss. This this, is on your radar. This ain't it, man. This is not – the quarterback has nothing to do with this game. It is a Bears defense, a front seven that absolutely dominated – an awful Vikings offensive line. A Vikings offensive line that is terrible and has been terrible. They shut down Dalvin Cook. The Vikings offense had two possessions in the first half. Nine plays in a punt where Cousins just barely missed Adam Thielen on this long play right here. I'll make the throw. You got to make that catch too. Who knows whose fault that is. But on the next play, they go 12 plays. Next drive, they go 12 plays. Stephon Diggs fumbles. Those are only two possessions of the first half. They they look fine in the first half offensively. They look fine in the first half. They just didn't have the possession. That fumble I'm blaming on Kirk Cousins. It should be blamed on the quarterback, clearly. (laughs) They come out at halftime. First play, blindside strip strip sack. Cleo Mack goes right around Riley Reif, the left tackle. And it was more of that the rest of the way. This is an undermanned Bears defense playing without Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks, two very good starters. They plug in Nick Williams and Nick Kwiatkowski, and against this Vikings offensive line, those two guys combined Mm. for 17 tackles and three sacks, another tackle for loss. These guys were fired up, and the Bears just absolutely dominated. To me, this is more about the Bears defense than it is about the Vikings offense, and if you're looking for a scapegoat, it's the Vikings offensive line that is just not good. And they were the scapegoat through all of last season, too, and they thought they fixed those issues. I, if you're a Bears fan, because Chase Daniel comes in today, and you know he knows Matt Nagy's offense, been with Matt Nagy longer than Mitch Trubisky, how concerned are you about Mitch Trubisky being out for a while? Because I thought Chase Daniel came in sight unseen and played a pretty good game. Well, I think history is instructive here. And last year he came in, played the game manager role, nursed a lead. Eddie Jackson had a pick six to help them win a game on Thanksgiving against the Lions. And the next week when nobody's paying attention to the game, he goes and gives it to a bad Giants team and they lose with his two interceptions. Mm. I just think we know who Chase Daniel is and he did a great job today. His job is to play the game manager, let the defense win the game for you. And when things are going right, he's capable of doing that. But he's just as capable of giving the ball to the other team and you see that he processes faster than Mitch Trubisky, which you would expect from a veteran. His ball placement is better than Mitch Trubisky, who is an <laughs> inaccurate passer. You'll see that the Bears will miss Mitch Trubisky's arm strength and athleticism when they play Chase Daniel. Well, to me, history is instructive, and that history started June 28, 2013, when around the NFL uh, editor 
Greg Rosenthal <laughs> wrote up. Chase Daniel, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, as making the leap candidate. It's not too late. Wes, he comes in and directs four scoring drives out of the first five or six possessions. Let's go. Let's ride. Is there an expiration date on? No. Leap? No, I think you can always make the point, leap. And we don't yes. even know what Personal what way development. Right. Well, he could make smart. the leap. But he expired last year against the Giants. I was going to say, though, if the story's written about his, him making the leap with the Chiefs, by the way, you get credit for it. Well, I don't know. My favorite part is the headline, making the leap, comma, number 35. Oh, my God. I did wow. a top 40 countdown that year. Well, we all did, actually. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. Know, I mean, yeah. I assigned we it We all out. were part of that. <laughs> nonsense. Um, Wes, you're saying makes so much sense about Daniel. He doesn't need to be a star. Just like Mitch Trubisky doesn't need to be the star. Kind of get out of the way a little bit. Just do what you have to do. Be a game manager. And this team could be playing in the in the first Sunday in February. I think this defense is every bit as good as last that, year. It's well, an unbelievable defense. And, and that's two things I'm learning. We're amazingly a quarter through the regular season now for the most part. One, the Bears defense is just as good, if not better, than it was last year. So look out. And number two, I was I was big on the Vikings heading into the season. I'm shook now because this game, especially when the other team loses their starting quarterback, and then you don't even you're not really competitive. They're they are several steps below where Chicago. I, the, is. the Vikings, you know, it, it, there's a long way to go, but they to me, I they've lost my trust in terms of as soon as they're put into, and it's not just a Kirk Cousins thing. I don't love Kirk Cousins either. I don't feel like he's going to suddenly go on some hot streak and win nine games in a row. Skepticism is understandable. It's fair, and like I just to me, Minnesota feels like your ceiling is about nine wins. And if you ever snuck into the playoffs, as soon as your environment becomes unfriendly on any level, bye bye. This division's going to be tough, and this is a bad road loss. The takeaway I think though is that you know ultimately these teams are built similarly. The Vikings have so much money in their defense; they've been building it up for a long time, and it's it's a good defense, but it's nowhere near as good as the Bears. And that's the difference. I agree with that. And don't let Mike Zimmer off the hook for this one either. He cost his team three points by calling a timeout when the Bears were set up to punt on the Vikings' 34-yard line because their kicker has a bad plant leg and can't make a 51-yard field goal. Zimmer calls a timeout, and Nagy says, all right, you didn't give me time to think about it. We'll just pick up the first down. <laughs> they go and get, they go pick up a first uh, down and kick a shorter field goal. I, I defer to your knowledge on this, Wes, and you watch this game closely. Um I don't, I don't know. You're gonna let Cousins totally off the hook, though. The fact that he's is he ju- is, is is he just a guy? Is that who he is? And then if he doesn't have I, the right setup around him, they're doomed. Because I think when they signed him, I think they thought he was more than that. Well, I just don't want to litigate this after every single game. Like, are we going to do this after every State of the Union? After every Cousins game? He's kind of a fascinating guy for people I from get, that perspective. I get that. I'm begging people to watch the game. Watch the game, and this is all Chicago's defense and Minnesota's bad offensive line, some penalties, and the Diggs play was a killer. Like, nobody's going to get on Diggs for that fumble. Mm. All I'd say, though, is you look at someone like Deshaun Watson, who's been sacked at, like, near historic levels early in his career, and he's someone that, you know, it's not every week, he creates and comes up with stuff on his own under duress, and I just don't He's trust, a better player. I just, well, I mean, he had, a, he had just as bad of a game as Cousins It's today. just that you've paid Kirk Cousins. Spoiler alert, I get that he's Wes. free agent. Well, I... It's not every week with Deshaun Watson, but Kirk Cousins has been paid the kind of money where he's going to get talked about week to week. Let's uh, let's move on to the highest scoring game of week four. Or of 2019. He fumbled the bubble. It's loose. It's picked up by the Buccaneers to the 30, to the 20, to the 15. And Dabakan Sue. Sue him again. And Dabakan. Stupid score, Bucks. Love it. And the Buccaneers are going to beat the Rams with a minute six to go. 54 big points on the West Coast. A new Buccaneer record. Yeah. <laughs> 
Gene Deckeroff. Fox Radio Network. Uh, Shaq Mason stripped Jared Goff and Dominican Sue snatched the loose ball, took it to the house. You heard it. The clinching score in a 55 to 40 win for the Buccaneers over the Rams at the Coliseum. Jared Goff finished with over 500 yards passing, but he had four turnovers in the Rams' first loss of the season. The Bucks, they got 385 yards and four touchdowns from Jameis Winston. Wes is going to have to eat some humble pie about that. Wait, then Mariota has just as good of a game? <laughs> that's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's what you said on you, Thursday. That it's you, been decided. Winston's definitely better than Mariota. You dismissed Winston's effort last week and Against said it had an no indication season. on how we should look at this game. He carried that performance into a second lights-out performance. He has my attention. Okay. I, I also think... It's important to be anchored by four years of data so you don't flow away one Sunday. I got your data right here. <laughs> anyway, <Anchored> Winston, by. <laughs> Winston uh, had a big day. Career day for Chris Godwin, who, is, who has emerged as one of the best second bananas in the NFL behind Mike Av- Evans. And the Bucs uh, head to London at 2-2. Two and two. Is that right? No. Well, we're going to see the Bucks we're and the Panthers the and in the a Panthers. couple weeks. Couple and, uh, weeks. That game's looking they a little the better. Saints. They got excited. the Saints next week. I mean, if, it, if Matt Gay had just hit that kick, this Bucks team's 3-1. and one. I'm so excited about our trip to London. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, uh, yes, a, a really, really important win for the Bucks, who, as we know, had their hearts ripped out when the kicker blew uh, the chip shot after Bruce Arians, the coach, moved them back five yards. They somehow lose a game to the Giants at home, and they go to L.A., and they absolutely light up the Rams. And do not let, do not let the numbers fool you. Um, the, the Rams finished with um, well over 500 yards of total offense. Uh, but Todd Bowles' defense did a good job overall in this game. A lot of that was just counting stats that the, the Rams piled up. They made big plays. And, and the Bucks are 2-2 two and two and got to be feeling pretty good right now. Very good, in fact. Especially because Bruce Arians was brought there to bring some the offense to life, and now we've seen that for two straight. Four hundred and Godwin, uh, Godwin's a one A right now. I mean, his numbers are right there with anyone in the league. We've been honking about him on this show since the end of his rookie year, and there's not many slot guys like him in the league. That's as good a one-two punch as there is. When Arians said this is going to be a 100 catch receiver. And if a day like today, 12 he's, for He's on page for about 125, 140 right now. We said after week two, and Mark, you, you have the theory that Arians maybe doesn't really want to be here. <laughs> well, this, or may something. Have, this may have helped. Um, but <laughs> after that, those first two weeks where the, well, Winston was a mess in week one, uh, week two, they, get, uh, they have another quiet game offensively, but the defense does a nice job. The last two weeks, they've had almost 1,000 yards of total yardage on offense. Um, so there is absolutely potential here for this to be a very good offense. And who knows? They could be. They, this could be a frisky team potential. I don't want to get overly pumped up about the bus because what Wes is right about is Winston does suck people in a lot, and he will have moments like this or even game stretches and then throw three interceptions in the first quarter uh, in his next game. That could – I obviously happen, but you can only at this point look at where they are right now and the fact that Winston is with Bruce Arians for the first time. And if you're a Bucks fan, look at that with hope that maybe he is turning the corner. Well, the let's Bucks- give Byron Leftwich some credit. He's the one calling the plays. All right, let's a good do job. that. I mean, the Bucks to me have been a team that, you know, coming out of hard knocks a couple of years ago, there was a lot of optimism. Last year it was, oh, they added all these parts on defense. There's more optimism. They've never been the sum of their parts. And today you're finding out, last couple of weeks – 
they, they're living up to their potential, and you feel completely differently about them. Well, even in this game, Winston threw a killer interception pick six late in the game that let the Rams Very bad back throw. in it. But then he responded with the touchdowns. And then your boy, Mark Sessler, Shaq Barrett, got one of those two sacks that he needs to get to 10 for the year. You said it's not going to happen. Three sandwiches on the line. He's already, he had a game-winning four sandwiches. I said what I – because this is going to drift away too to talk about not anchored <laughs> is that these fast risers on like early season guys that have eight sacks in three games, that a lot of times they end up with like nine. Well, he just Shaq stacked, Barrett is he someone just stacked up like the Biggest play of the week on top of the last. I I would happily be wrong about him specifically. What I was discussing is true (laughs) as a statistical anomaly in the NFL oft happening. I don't think you're. This is going to be a fun game to watch on Game Pass, but it might set a record for the longest. The Rams had 81 plays. The Bucks had 73. The Rams only ran the ball. 11 times. They dropped back 73 times. They they did what I think a lot of teams should do. The second they fall down two or three scores, literally don't run. Throw the ball every single time and stretch out that game for as long as you can. Because who knows? You might get into a situation where Jameis Winston throws you a pick six and it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. They stretch this thing out. This is the longest game I've ever the seen. Fourth- Predict the game past length. Let's try this. 46. 43. 43-46. Uh, this The winner gets sandwiches. How about that? Is it the iPad version or the desktop No, the longer version, version of the two. Okay. 42. I'm going 49. Yeah, I think Mark. No way. Forty nine. They're going to find a way the, the, the editors to indulge <laughs> yes. themselves. Goff, you know. forty five of sixty eight, five seventeen. What a 17. weird plot line. No one cares about except for us. Uh, <laughs> it's work yeah, week. It was not a good game for Goff. Todd Gurley, we talked about on Thursday. Is this going to be his coming out party? He hasn't had a hundred yard game yet. Uh, and yes, they threw the ball constantly, but five carries for sixteen yards did score two touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean. Goff made some pretty throws. Though. That's the thing. You're saying it's a bad game, and it was with all the turnovers. But he Every throw, week he has. He them. did throw for 500 yards. He's turning the ball over to quite a bit. Points. Well, this is the first time the Rams have fallen out of first place since Sean McVay was hired. Ooh. And I don't know who this Rams team is. I thought they had an improved defense, and they give up 55 points to the Bucks, and they still don't have a consistent running game. Well, here's here's the thing. We saw it on Thursday night. Defen- you know, Improved defenses are nice. It it doesn't matter in the I mean it does matter because you have to win different types of games but they're gonna get blown out they're, you're gonna give up yards and points some game it's 2019 even the Bears I hate to say it you're gonna have to score some points or else that team's gonna you know get hit and knocked down at some point I mean good defenses are not as good as great offenses uh, I want to give one final shout out before we move on Matt Gay who got killed by me and a lot of other people after blowing the game last week the place kicker he drills a 58 yarder. Uh, in this game. And that then, had you riled up downstairs. Well, not only a drill, I mean, he smacked it up against the net. It's, just, it's a guy that stepped up in a big spot. And then after that terrible uh, Winston pick six gave the Rams life, and it was 45 to 40, I believe, um, or in that range, um, he hits another field goal that essentially gives them the distance they need to win the game. So a nice bounce back performance by a kick. Do you believe that you've motivated him during the week with your comments? Did, did, Do you did want those, my honest answer? It does yes. get to him. Yes. Yeah. That's my <laughs> That's what answer. I would imagine you'd say. Let's move on. I mean, you asked me a question. I'm going to answer it. To the left on third down and six. Allen Popular podcast. Is almost sacked, but he keeps his balance. <laughs> now he throws to the right, and it is caught at the 12-yard line. First down, Panthers. Incredible. Jarius Wright from Kyle Allen, who went off script and played it just right. Mick Mixon with that draw. Panthers Radio Network. 
Nice and smooth. Kyle Allen evaded a sure sack by J.J. Watt. Delivered a huge completion. The most important play in the Panthers' 13-10 win over the Texans in Houston. Allen lost three fumbles in the game, but the Carolina defense stepped up huge in shutting down Deshaun Watson, Nuke, and the Texans' offense. Wes, how'd the Panthers do this? Well, their defense has 14 sacks and four takeaways in two games since Cam Newton went down with a foot injury. They sacked Kyler Murray eight times a week ago, and they sacked Deshaun Watson six times today, hit him 11 times, hurried him 19 times. And we know that some of that is on the offensive line, and some of that is on Deshaun Watson's playing style. And to Mark's point about Kirk Cousins, who it can be said that he holds the ball and then probably checks down too often. Deshaun Watson holds the ball to go for big plays. And today he missed a few of them. Mm. He had some open and he missed them. And he said after the game, look, that's on me. I held the ball too long and I didn't hit the big plays. Mm. That's his playing style. He holds the ball too long, which contributes to his hits and sacks. I, I think this offense is fixable. They've been under, I believe, 13 points or under in two of the last three weeks. Let's get some sync. Uh, let's get some uh, rapport between Watson and his offensive line on that and his receivers. But you have to give the Panthers secondary a lot of credit, too, for Kenny Stills injured his hamstring in the first quarter and was their leading receiver midway through the fourth quarter. Mm. James Bradbury did a really good job on DeAndre Hopkins today, and the Panthers' defense was lights out. Hopkins, 41 yards. There's not too many weeks where he's not, no matter how the team is faring, he always produces. And through an interception, a very costly interception on a trick play, and Bill O'Brien killed himself for the play call after the game. Weren't we just discussing Bill O'Brien and uh, his lead pastor individual inside <laughs> the building as uh, front office executives? Executives of the year. Well, and them as the favorites in the AFC South, which I still think they are, but it's a division, you know, spoiler alert, everyone has the same record right now. I think they're the most talented, but they're they're not a team that's, you know, bulletproof, especially when they're playing Lazarus. I mean, Ron Rivera, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He rises from the dead. Every time you think he's about to lose his job, what do they do? They smack around the Cardinals on the road. Their defense shows up. Like, that's kind of what Ron Rivera's been able to do over the years. At a certain point, you kind of, you know, just got to figure that's what he does. That's his move. He's going to use it. Well, I think we see their formula now, and it might be similar to what the Bears have going on. They probably trust Kyle Allen a little bit more than the Bears trust their quarterbacks because Kyle Allen's played pretty well outside of the three strip sacks today when she lost three fumbles. And that's my biggest concern with him is how he deals with pressure. But you can see that he's got the touch. He's got the accuracy. He makes pretty good decisions. And he's got an MVP candidate at running back. Oh. Christian McCaffrey, 37 touches today, Ooh. 179 yards, careful touchdown. He, he put the team on his back. He had also, and if you haven't looked at the replay, go find this oh, third God, yeah. down catch where it's bobbled through the air and it's the one of the more acrobatic athletic movements you'll see all season. And they're developing an identity. Brian Burns is playing with his you know, hair on fire. They have Don Terry Poe and Mario Addison. Shaq Thompson. They're winning the these games without K- without K1 short. Shaq Thompson doesn't leave the field now. He's replaced Thomas Davis. They got a lot of pieces. I understand you're in a tough spot with Cam Newton out and Allen, who's shown things, but still you you really need McCaffrey to be your centerpiece. I'd be curious to check out where his touches are through four games. They I don't want to manage that a little bit. A you don't want to be doing 37. He's so valuable they don't think they can take him off the field, and part of that has to do with the fact that they've never really had a great backup behind him. All right, uh, let's uh, go to the AFC. 
a West-South showdown. Brissett just stays in the gun on this first down and 10. Again, intercepted, going to be a touchdown. Going to be a touchdown. Eric Harris, what a game at safety. Well, that's one of the finest plays I've seen Eric Harris make in a mighty long time. Let's go to London, boys. <laughs> Brett Musburger, of course. The icon and Lincoln Kennedy with uh, inside there, KCBS. Eric Harris stepped in front of a uh, Derek Carr pass. Excuse me. Eric Harris stepped in front of a Jacoby Brissett pass and took it 30 yards to the house. The clinching touchdown in the Raiders' 31-24 win over the Colts. Uh, the Raiders got a huge play there by Harris because it did feel like a game that had the potential to slip away from Oakland uh, the, the Raiders, who had done really nothing on offense. Uh, in fact, they had two scoring drives in their previous 18 possessions entering this game. Mm. They get up 14 nothing early. In fact, they score three touchdowns in their first four possessions, the Raiders, in this game, but then go cold again. Uh, uh, so Carr, Derek Carr finished fast, ends up throwing for less than 200 yards. And at the point when that final interception was made, it seemed like the Colts were going to find a way to win this game. But instead, the Raiders get it done. And uh, I just think John Gruden on balance so far, again, we're at the quarter pole. I know they said there's no such thing as a quarter pole. Well, guess what? I don't care what you say. Oh, the horse racing fans, all three of them get upset about it. (laughs) At the quarter pole. Hey, how about you keep your horses alive a little better? Go take your racing form and stick it up your butt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At the quarter pole, the Raiders are 2-2, two and two, and they are on a absolute marathon road trip. It's absurd the way this has been set up. And uh, John Gruden, love him or hate him, uh, he has right to be annoyed the fact that they're going 42 days between home games in well, don't, How about don't botch your stadium situation and not be able to afford well, to the keep Bucks, your team the Bucks in Oakland have a similar so that you have to give up your game and go to London every Well, year. the guys Fair. in the locker room have nothing yeah, to do with I that. I get it. Uh, but they, they still, this is their second road game. Now they go to London where they're the quote-unquote home team. Then they have a bye. Then two more road games. They don't play uh, at home again until November 3rd. Um, against the Lions, I believe. So any win you can get during this stretch, if you could survive this this brutal uh, slate where you're just traveling constantly and you could be in good shape, well, maybe when you get back home, you could be a little frisky after Thanksgiving. And, and so far, again, Raiders, not a, not a great team, probably not even a good team, uh, but they are showing fight. And this was a really nice effort on the road against a, a Colts team that we all like a lot. Yeah, and credit. I mean, we, there's all those studies every time – the Raiders have to travel east and play the early game, how they're like one in a billion when they have to do that. So credit to them. I will say, though, they caught the Colts at the right time. You've got T.Y. Hilton out, Darius Leonard, a defensive player of the year candidate, out with a concussion, Malik Hooker at safety out, and they lost Marlon Mack for a big chunk of this game. They're a deep team and they're well-built, but you get to a point where you can't compete. I agree with that, and you you could see that, and when you guys check this game out, you'll see it too, that Brissette really did look a little bit lost uh, without uh, T.Y. Hilton, who was so important in this offense. We saw that when he was on the field in the first three games. He is Brissette's go-to guy uh, when it counts, and with him on the sideline, 
they barely moved the ball for the most of this game. They finished with 346 yards, which is not great, but not terrible. But then uh, just know that more than half of that yardage came in the fourth quarter when it was just a mad scramble mm. to try to get back into the game. So Indy kind of had a lost day on offense, um, shorthanded at wide receiver. Funches, of course, is also out. And um, and the Raiders showed up and balled out. And the Raiders' leading receivers, Darren Waller, again, 7 for 53. Wes mentioned you know, that Eric Ebron might be the next thousand yard tight end or thousand drop tight end. No, I don't think it was. I mean, not Eric Ebron, uh, Evan, Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram. Thank you. Different EE. Yeah. Waller's on pace. And then some, you know, look, he's got, he's got 300 plus yards. He, he's writing quite a story. I mean, he might be a pro bowl type of tight end. He is a really fun to watch. He's come back from, you know, addiction. He's a guy that John Gordon literally signed. Cause he liked the way he looked on the sidelines. Right. I mean, it's wild that he's, that he's a leading receiver on a two and two NFL team. Ultra rare hard knocks guy. It's so easy to fall in love with hard knocks players that are fo- featured on the show. And like Greg said, his addiction backstory made him a compelling figure on the show. And then he would be killing it in these slow motion NFL films practice highlights. And then he steps into action and is just as good. You never see that in hard knocks. It always plays you for a fool, but not in this case. Can we talk about a generational cheap shot artist, dirty player? Oh, my God. Yes, Vontae's perfect. Absolutely. As cheap shot as a cheap shot can be, uh, goes for Jack Doyle, who is in a very vulnerable uh, position after making a catch, goes helmet to helmet, and good on on the officiating crew uh, who take a look at the play and in addition to the 15-yard personal foul, say, get out of here, Vontae's perfect. Mm. And at what point is the NFL just going to say, get out of here, Vontae's perfect, period? I've got a couple stats for you. Okay, let's hear them. Last year, the league imposed more than $165,000 in fines against Perfect for illegal hits. That's just last year alone. This is from the Football Zebra's Twitter account. There are six times in 100 years of NFL history when a player was suspended multiple games for an on-field infraction. Two of those times are Vontez Perfect, and I would bet it's about to be right. three of those. Times. If you're if you're going to London, you're gonna see cha- the game next week, which looks yeah you know, pretty good, all things considered. Raiders Bears, you know, three and one versus two and two. I don't think you're gonna see Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think you're gonna see Vontas Perfect. Perfect. If I got even one of these fines, my bank account, our entire family structure would crumble. I can't get a set eighteen thousand. You don't stop the run. Let's Thank move God. on. <laughs> Let's Haskin move on. Takes a shotgun snap. He's back to throw. He's under pressure. He throws it over the middle. Intercepted. He threw it late. Picked off by Peppers. Running down the right side to the 10th. Touchdown, Giants. Jabril Peppers. Haskins was under pressure. The throw was late off the back foot. Peppers ran it all the way. And Jabril Peppers with the pick six. Bob Papa with a call. WFAN. Jabril Peppers. First year as the Giants scored on a 32-yard interception return. The knockout blow for the Giants. And an easy 24-3 win over the moribund Washington Redskins. Daniel Jones is now 2-0 as the starter. Wayne Gallman ran for two scores and plays with Saquon Barkley. Mark, Dwayne Haskins made his debut for the Redskins. But there's no stopping the suddenly resurgent <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I know they're not a complete team. But the oh, Giants, you have the absolute right to bring that chant back and do that as much as you want because they are fun to watch. And I know that the the knock is their defense is utterly inept. 
Not today. I realize you're playing a team in the Redskins that at this point I would put around Dolphins level in terms of unwatchability and uh, the, in terms of their on-field capabilities, planless. Like, you know, it, they couldn't have made it more apparent that Dwayne Haskins was not ready for prime time. With, coach, with the coach's comments, you know, hammering that to us week after week. And you put him on the field today because Case Keenum is, is not functioning at all as your starter. Big surprise. Who saw that coming? And Haskins was absolutely victimized. And I, he, he is just... he. For what he does well, he's got a big arm. He's also just not – he's not seeing the field. and He doesn't look ready. Like at all. Kind of what as, we had been at, hearing. Was, so, you know, yes. that was true from yeah. the coaching staff. And with Daniel Jones, you know, he – there were there were some issues in this game for him. He had a couple bad interceptions. But what I love was that Pat Shermer made the comment after that after he threw the two picks on the sideline, it wasn't like a rattled, you know, deer in headlights type thing. Totally composed, came back, made some big throws. When he's on the field, guys like Sterling Shepard, we've talked about Evan Ingram, come to life. Wayne Gallman, as you mentioned, had a big game, and I thought that they, it's not that they didn't miss Saquon Barkley because he's a super special talent, but they ran for 164 yards at 4.4 yards per carry. With Jones in there, everything just functions a little bit differently. Clean water, fresh stream, not a dirty pond like they were with Eli Manning at quarterback. And the Redskins stink. Right, the Redskins stink, but they also they won twenty-four stink. to three, and they didn't get they. Did, you know, the Redskins have had a couple right. quarters where they put points up on other teams. They didn't against New York today. Right, we give the Bears credit for totally shutting down the Redskins. I think it's significant that they held the Redskins to one hundred and seventy-six yards and three points. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna give the Patriots credits for like trouncing the the weak sisters of the NFL, that's what competent defenses can do. Now, I don't think the Giants defense is suddenly going to be competent, but can they improve? You know, teams change a lot during the course of this season. They're going to be totally different in December. Can they improve from the 32nd best defense in the league to somewhere around 20th or 23rd, like the rest of the way? Is that possible that they can scheme that up and that will help them be competitive with a young quarterback? Like, I think that's yes. possible. And now Just we're... as possible this is an outlier and right. they'll be back but to it's something, it's something to watch, and they're two and two. Well, it helps when you're not, you know... Th- with Eli in there, and it's not just on Eli Manning entirely, but they were a three-and-out operation that had it seemingly planned one offensive drive, and then they dry up uh, uh, the attack the entire rest of the game. That's not true now. Danny Dimes gets Golden Tate back next week, too. Mm. You know, I just clicked into a New York Post story um, about Landon Collins. You know, he, I guess, he, yeah, his first game Oh, I forgot the this was revenge game. And that, you know, obviously didn't work out for him. But what I really want to bring up is on the sidebar of the New York Post, there's a trending now in sports section with three headlines. And uh, I just want to read them off because they're all compelling. Okay. Odell Beckham is choked out in Browns-Ravens Raven, fight. NFL villain added again with ghastly headshot. I assume that's our friend Rontez Perfect. And Bill's coach escorts Bill Belichick's son off field in sketchy scene. <laughs> Who is Wait, what? It's like a gossip. Yeah, that was what is the uh, third one. That this was is the best like website for pro football. That I, the post McDermott got all fired up at not Steve Belichick, but another Belichick. <laughs> And another Patriot staffer who was like watching the Bills warm up, and they got into some sort of argument. Ooh, Sean McDermott was one of them. No, he was he was it. Oh, he it was all it was all on video. I, we, this was a big story, you know, for the pregame shows, and then everyone realized, like, okay, it was just kind he of he shooed funny them thing. off the field. You don't want to mess with McDermott. That's good. that's a state high school wrestling champ, isn't it? That is he. Good. He was a wrestler. 
All right, let's he, move on. He told us that himself. He, New York Post, yeah, you know how to get that. Clicks. Five, Murray tries to step off oh, yeah. screen. It's intercepted. Cloudy. 20, 15, <laughs> 10, 5. Hello, Mr. Clowney. Touchdown, Seahawks. Jadevian Clowney stretched out, reached his arm almost to the ceiling, pulled the ball <laughs> down on a screen pass, and the took ceiling. it about 30 yards for six. Seattle goes on top now by a score of nine to nothing. That's how you do a radio broadcast. Steve Rabel, Dave Wyman on the call, Seahawks Radio Network. Jadevian Clowney. He looked like a tight end on his interception return, covering 27 yards for a TD. Uh, Seattle's first score touchdown of the day in a 27-10 win over the moribund Arizona Cardinals. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. Michael Kendricks finished with two sacks. Chris Carson went over 100 yards for the Seahawks, who are 3-1 and one with a huge Week 5 matchup against the Rams looming. Greg, uh, what did you take out of this game? Uh, that the Seahawks are ready to win some games like easily, that Russell Wilson doesn't need to do crazy things to be an MVP contender through a quarter of the season, 8.6 yards per attempt, doesn't have an interception this year, eight touchdowns uh, for him, and that they can just kind of have a no-drama free game. Like, you never see that out of the Seahawks. They were watching the Rams game and on their in their locker room, and when Ndamuk and Sue ran that touchdown for back for the Bucks, They erupted. And I like that. It's like there's a little bit of a rivalry there. That's the Thursday night game this week. The 49ers are undefeated. This division is interesting, except for the Cardinals. It's fun, by the way. that Who are not interesting. It's fun on Seahawks Corner. Do you want to come back? You're, I never, I never put your stuff away. It's all your room is just. No, I'm, wa- I'm watching them. It's been fun. It's fun okay. to watch them. You I, want I, back in. I guess I kind of You are back in. I guess I kind of want back in. It's like when when they're turning Will Disley into a thing. Will Love Disley Will has almost more catches this year than he had his entire college career. He ran like a 5-2-40. He came out of nowhere, and here he is as their leading receiver. What's not to like about Coming off Hawks? a patella, torn patella tendon, right? That's right. This, you got to use Clowney on offense. The card, Yeah, the Cardinals <laughs> are the one NFC West team that doesn't excite – you and that's not what this was supposed to be. This wasn't supposed to be a Super Bowl campaign for the Cardinals, but the fact that they're not really moving the uh, the meter, that's not a good look. Well, they were the unknown, and what we're knowing about them is not particularly interesting, and not interesting is not what I expected. Uh, I thought it would either be an epic disaster or something that kind of shocked the league, and it's kind of just... neither, really. It's just yeah. this blah yeah. middle place. Well, they haven't won a game, and they, they got blown out twice at home in a row here, so that that's a bad sign. David Johnson looked better today, 133 yards from scrimmage. I thought he had some of his old juice, which was nice to see. Okay. But here's not, what, not on the ground, though. What's going on with he, He's had three oh, they were, games under 40 yards. They were yards trailing. The you know, that Clowney injury happened. I mean, the Clowney touchdown happened. They really went out of their way to establish Chris Carson, who had a great game, 142 yards. And it was just a nice – this was a, a Sessler fever dream game, as we talked about downstairs. It was quick. It was over in under three hours easily. It was a blowout. I mean, Sessler – That's how, that's how a pro this. football like, game should – Like an unfurl. execution shooting in the back of the head. Bang, it's over quickly. The Their yeah. linebackers, I'm really impressed by the Seahawks linebackers. They never leave the field. They're the only team in the league, really, that's like that. Michael Pete Carroll Ken- said this is the best linebacker Corey's had. I, I don't doubt it. Michael Kendricks played awesome today. K.J. Wright has played great last week. And you're playing a team that plays four receivers every snap or, or many snaps, and yet you don't take your linebackers off the field? Like, that is tough to pull off. But you're, you're right when you're talking about Kingsbury. You know what we haven't seen out of them is, like, a schematic advantage. Right. You know what I mean? He hasn't come in and 
provided like a, a scum- I think Kyler Murray looks quite good. I think he had a fine game today, despite uh, the final score. It we're, just seems like we're, oh, oh, they're gonna they're gonna revolutionize the game with the pass happy attack. Well, every team in the league that isn't completely out of it is pass happy at, at historic levels. So how different are they than anyone else at this point? Where did um, Kyler Murray's height come in for this game? Five two, five one. I mean, this was the short guy bowl here. So shout out to uh, short men everywhere. Stay strong. Stay proud. You know, we love Stay you. Proud. He can't look too big with without Jadevian Clowney streaking by him at like six foot eight and no, that was hundred pounds. That was kind of a fluky, uh, a, a tough play for him. But it's like the Cardinals have no ability to come back. Our friend Jason Zumwalt's ready to call it a. Season, I think. Yeah. His counting numbers don't look that bad, Kyler Murray, but he's dropping back as much as anyone and getting first downs less than anyone. It's a problem. Let's move on. I formation, single receiver, Brown, wide left. Play fake. Mariota fires over the middle. There's Brown at the 40, at the 35, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. Touchdown, Titans! A.J. Brown! 55 yards! <laughs> it's fun. Mike Keith with the Call Titans Radio Network. Marcus Mariota threw three touchdown passes in one half. That's got to be a record. Uh, two to A.J. Brown, including the one you just heard. And the Tennessee Titans snapped an ugly two-game losing streak with a 24-10 road win over the stumbling, the moribund yeah, Atlanta over. Falcons. <laughs> Wes, uh, this is all This is all a script for the Titans. Just when you're ready to write them off, they deliver a complete performance to remind you of their potential. But what does it mean in the big picture? They have the potential to go 9-7 and seven and lose it in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, good luck figuring this team out. They, It was so unusual to see a wide receiver making plays for the Titans. And A.J. Brown was beating Desmond Trufant today. And you see right here, making plays after the catch, runs away. And it does remind me a little bit of a young Anquan Bolden, the way he plays. He is huge. He's physical. He's very physical. He's good after the catch. He's huge. And you don't see guys like Corey Davis drafted fifth overall doing stuff like this. Now, Corey Davis did get a touchdown, but he's not making plays after the catch like that. Um, but the, the receivers won the battle against the Falcons secondary that hasn't been very good this year. And the Falcons have fallen behind 28 to nothing to the Vikings, 20 to 3 to the Colts, and 24 to 7 to the Titans. By halftime, I mean this. This team has been out of three or four, three of their four games, and it's pertinent that the head coach fired his top assistants last year, and the owner is paying out more cash for his players than any other owner in the year 2019. I'm bummed out. I'm I'm always the guy who's not going to say their season's over or anything like that. But this this result, seeing them go down like this today, got me thinking. I will be bummed out if. The, the Falcons era under Dimitrov doesn't get closer. It doesn't ever win that Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like if I, I kind of oh, always you don't get it both ways, Greg. What do you mean? Your your team is responsible for the most destructive <laughs> loss any team has ever suffered, and now you're going to cry. About I was how, all about oh, the it's Falcons. Not fair the that year. the Falcons. Well, then you should have been rooting for the Falcons. Like I, Twenty-eight to three. I with it. No, please. Uh, I I'm just like you're playing both sides on this one. I was all about the Falcons the year after. I just like the whole vibe of the organization, and now I'm just surprised that there's there's as little 
fight right now to start this, this season. This seems like a team that needs a soft reboot, and it's too early. It's both too early and too late because the season's already started. They're already in a deep hole now at one and three. Not too deep, but it's not a great situation. But it's more the way that they're losing, uh, and we all have to watch this game closer. But, I mean – it's the way you don't really just, have to. Yeah. Oh, is it one of those type yeah, of games? Yeah, there's the nothing bullet. you're going to get from it other than the Falcons just aren't very good. Is that what this is? They're just not a very good team. Well, look, we can say. Or are we, they a, a, a good team that's playing very poorly? I don't think they're very good. And we yeah. can say we like Dimitrov and we like Quinn, and we do. But we don't like the product they've put on the field since the Super Bowl, since Kyle I, Shanahan. The, the left. next year I did. The next year I did. But With Sarkeesian's lost offense that year? I mean, it, ever since Kyle Shanahan's left, what, what is this team's identity? Well, and Quinn has talked about, you know, his defense like Seattle's going to be urgent, fast, disruptive. And it Mar- Mariota looked terrible in the Jaguars game, which feels like two years ago, because Jacksonville piled up nine sacks in that game and made life about as impossible as you could mm. on the quarterback. None for the Falcons they- today. Mariota was kept clean. On the subject of the Falcons, they did, to their credit or as an organization and to the players and, and Dan Quinn, they did recover from that absolutely staggeringly terrible Super Bowl loss. They were a Matt we were Ryan pass away yes. from beating right. the Eagles in Philadelphia. We were at the Coliseum in L.A. when they beat a very good Rams team in the wild card round. They were, but really since the moment Julio Jones slipped in the end zone in Philadelphia in that divisional round playoff, it has just been a kind of a sad slog for the Falcons. And I know they put up a lot of good numbers last year offensively, but this doesn't it doesn't feel like this team has juice right now. No, and it, not- it's, sorry, they remind me of the Panthers, who it's just a reminder of how impossible it is to get back to the Super Bowl. And you can still be competent, but it's not nearly good enough. I think you can watch teams like the Broncos, Bengals, Vikings, and Falcons and get frustrated with all four of them for the same reason. The offensive line is blowing things up. Mm. Quinn's got to make a new T-shirt. You know, they did this brotherhood one where they're all holding each other this last week. Oh. Didn't work. Didn't work. No. What, who do the Titans Titan have next week? A lot of T-shirts. I, I cannot wait to see. I think some of the angry Falcons fans call court. him Coach T-shirt now. Oh, stuff. Uh, let's see. The I Titans have the Bills. Oh, that's pretty good. At home. Ooh, Josh Allen. We'll see if he's playing. I mean, if your if your thing is you're looking for a a back down turn, it, Bills no, defense. Well, not necessarily. Feel the, they Matt could, Barkley in Nashville. They could, <laughs> they could put two or three good games together. What they need to do is show that they can sustain. You know what I'm talking about. They just, they're going to reel you. They, they're going to reel me back in for a game. Right. They just need to stay in that range where they can get to nine. That's the goal. That cannot be the goal. The goal was supposed to be better than nine, but this seems to be their fate. Oh, credit to their secondary today too, which really controlled the game and held Julio Jones down for a while. Titans defense looked good today. You know what I mean, though, Greg. Right? I don't mean to be uh, overly passionate about it, but when you talk about how you really feel bad for the Falcons. You know, as a Patriots fan, you did this to him. You created. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. You played your part. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the photo in the box? I mean, all the the evil grin you had. We'll have to resurface that. It wasn't. Well, I don't even remember what which Patriots winning Super Bowl (laughs) that was. Oh, that might have been the Seattle. I was was satisfied. (laughs) It was satisfied. All right, not evil. Satisfied grin. All right, uh, let's keep moving. A 33-yarder from just inside the left hash for Lambeau. Here we go. Cook gets it down. Lambeau kicks it up. And the field goal is good. Lambeau. It is good. The field goal is good, and Jacksonville has beaten the Denver Broncos 26-24 to at Mile High Stadium. This one belongs to Duval. <laughs> All right, Frank Franchi, I like it. Jaunty. By the way, update, breaking news. Mark saw the movie Sirens with J-Lo. 
Was it? Is it, no, hustlers. it is hustlers. hustlers. Sirens with, with El McPherson. Siren is a, yeah, yeah it's that was a early totally different film. Well, I want everyone to know that the scale's been balanced out because I just thought of it because Josh Lambeau. Mark told us today that he saw Rambo in the theaters. Everything's even. Even Rambo, Steven. Rambo colon Last Blood. And is I'm not going to suggest. One? By the way, Last Blood is the stupidest name of a movie ever. I know there was First Blood. Last I mean, blood? It's, it's thematic. If you're looking for stupid, it was. But it, I, I kind of enjoyed the film, to be honest. <laughs> you know, first blood, you know, last blood. You enjoyed it. I did because I went in thinking this is just going to be 90 minutes of total, you know, revenge. It's like, it's like last blood until they cut off, you know, Stallone's social security. Then we'll go like laster blood. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back from this one based on what I saw. But <laughs> Josh Lambeau. <laughs> Not John Rambo. <laughs> went four for four on the day, including that game winner as time expired, lifting the Jags to a 26-24 win over the still winless, the moribund Denver Broncos. Uh, Gardner Minshew heated up in the fourth quarter after a slow start. Leonard Fournette had a career day with 225 uh, yards on the ground on 29 carries. Mark Jalen Ramsey, heroically, he was able to summon the energy to come out of his home and be on the sidelines with this game. For this game, uh, well, he got a good show. He got an up-close view and another exciting Jaguars win. He did. I've mentioned before that his focus is a laser focus, and he, he was zoned in on this game, uh, watching it from the sideline. Was, what he, he, was he in a hospital bed on the sideline, or was he able to stand no, upright? Where is he ba- at physically? Seemed... Uh, Nimble, bouncing like, around a so little unfair. bit. I, I, I was under well, the he did welcome he had, like, his second injuries. child. It's not like they made that up. No, that he had a daughter. Yeah. Well, why isn't he playing, man? I this game, and I, you know, it, it, it makes it look the score twenty six twenty four a little closer than it was because you'd be hard pressed to find a contest where one team was as thoroughly dominated for a twenty minute stretch as Denver was in this contest. They they Flacco threw. Two early touchdowns that made you think this is the perfect way for Denver to get out of their 0-3 hole. And Nick Chubb, Von Miller came to life. They sacked Gardner Minshew five times today. But before the half, Flacco threw an unforgivable pick that allowed the Jaguars to go down, kick a field goal, and I believe that made it 17-6 to at the half. And then from there, Jacksonville came out of the locker room and absolutely dominated with a 16-play touchdown drive. At one point in the going heading into the fourth quarter, they had held the ball for like 13 and a half minutes. Denver was offense was just taken out of the game. They weren't even allowed to come onto the field, basically. And it was Leonard Fournette, the laughingstock of Thursday Night Football two Thursdays ago, who dominated Denver's tired-out defense. I think Denver's defense just got winded and exhausted by the end of this game, and they this allowed the running game, Jacksonville's ground game, to absolutely explode late, which helped Minshew a lot, but Minshew also, despite getting hassled and he was on the run a bunch, showed some great movement in the pocket in this game. There was one play where he unfurled a completion, but he had to change direction in the pocket and climbing out of it like five or six times, and... I am so impressed Looked with like him. Looked like he was slalom skiing. He really did. I, I'm so impressed with him because, yes, I know he has a nice mustache and all this business, and, and you know they're milking that for all it's worth, and that's fine. But he is a player that gives me hope that in the, a, in the AFC South, which is a weird division, I'm not counting them out. The reverse. They, they're with, tied for first with everyone else. They're tied for first when their defense did what it did against Tennessee where they were dropping nine sacks. They didn't have, that didn't happen today, but they stepped, stepped up around their quarterback and, and produced in a tough place to play. I don't care if the Broncos are 0-4 or not. That's a tough stadium to go into, and they came and delivered. It was Go watch he's, that third quarter. Total domination. He's been streaky. 
But when he's gotten hot, he's saved their season, basically, because they could have been dead in the water after their starting quarterback goes out in week one. And instead, he's a guy that, while not a perfect quarterback, and usually sixth-round picks are not perfect, he seems to have a little bit of just, you know, well, He's clean. Factor. He's not like, making mistakes. And I think they're doing a good job calling plays for him, John Filippo. He does not go down the field very often, but he doesn't put them in bad situations. And when they do go down the field, it's very effective. And time of possession in general is overrated. But when you get when you have 40 minutes time of possession – and it's almost it, all that advantage is in the second half. It, there, something happens to your defense, yeah, that, and, they, and they went up and down the field. That's the thing. It's the defense. This was going to be you know, the defense, their game that you've waited for from Vic Fangio, and instead what you remember is that they absolutely got gashed down the, down the stretch. Every time I looked up in this game, DJ Chark was having a big play taken away by penalty. It's been every week. He well, looks yes. phenomenal. But, but he is his connection with Minshew has been consistent, and forget D.D. Westbrook and the rest of them. He's the dude. Is Minshew, and I don't want to undersell his his future. He's obviously just starting out in the league. Is he potentially the the next generation Ryan Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like a fun? Oh, I think he's better. Than I like him better imperfect. than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, I'm just saying Fitzpatrick is you know 13 years later or whatever it's been has had a lot of great moments in his career. Not a champion or anything, but. I mean, even if that is his ceiling, uh, that would I think the Jaguars would sign up for that, considering uh, what, what what they were entering the season with. Well, let's put it this way: he's just created a ten-year career for himself, one way or the other. Right. I don't want to undersell his upside because if uh, a first-round pick came in and played the four games that he did, we we'd be you know writing sea poems about him. To use Mark Sessler's phraseology, the Bills signed Fitzpatrick to that like six (laughs) years, sixty million dollar contract at one point, and he only lasted a couple years. But nobody really ever saw him as the franchise guy. No, there's a chance that Minshew could develop into. Well, there is a little Tebow about him, especially seeing them win on a game that it didn't look like they were going to win on a field goal in Denver. It, not the you know the, the mania around him or whatever, but just that they're finding ways to win these these crazy sort of games and it's like the close, I don't know. I, I would say that the, the mania with the looks and the, all this other business around him is actually, it does him a disservice because you think that that's why everyone is hyper-focused on him. And that's why a bunch of people are. But if you took all that away and just looked at the way he plays and if he were, to your point, if the draft pedigree had been there, people would be going absolutely nuts about who he is on the field. If Nick Foles was playing like Gardner Minshew, people would be like, all right, the Jags are in mm-hmm. great shape. Yep. They've got their quarterback. Um, and Mark, you you saw the game, so you have a better idea of it. You said the Broncos' defense looked gassed at the end of the game, uh, so I won't. I can't kill them having not watched the game. But I, I will just we'll po- make a stop. I will point out uh, Joe Flacco for all his um, ups and Sports? downs this year. Uh, takes them down the field late in the fourth quarter, six plays, 75 yards, eight-yard touchdown pass. It's 24-23 with 92 seconds to go, and just like the Steelers last week. Uh, when you thought that their defense would be able to close out a game that they desperately needed, you would think that the the Broncos' defense would summon that to be able to get out of here with a win, but they just well, didn't there was, have it in them. There, I, I would imagine Broncos fans are very upset about a roughing the passer call on Von Miller that sprung Jacksonville for that game-winning drive, but it was a fair call, I think. And then on top of it, they gave up a huge chunk run, and Minshew made key throws, and that was the whole second half. Outside of Miami, that might be the most depressing uh, season ticket to own right now. You've seen two games in both of them. You've lost at the buzzer on a field goal. And both of them, your quarterback, who hasn't been that great overall, has the go-ahead touchdown pass 
with a minute remaining, you still lose. You can't kill Flacco, and it becomes lazy to do it week after week, but there is something also about him where just, I don't know, there's a sense of... He's not inspirational. Not at all. Just a guy at this point, right? Isn't that kind of what it is? He's just kind of a guy now, right? Yeah. Ocean Man yeah. is Eckler, and Rivers climbs the pocket, finds Eckler left sideline, one man to beat, five, into the touchdown, Chargers! Into the end zone for Austin Eckler. It was a hesitation by the official. He strums the guitar, and the Chargers put six on the board. By the way, that receiving touchdown means that he has now posted at least three in each of his pro seasons. That is the first time an undrafted running back has done it in the common draft era since 1967. See, by the way, you don't. I always thought this. You don't need to move the sticks in that booth. Daniel Jeremiah is the color guy. Well, guess what? Matt Money does it both. He can. He'll give you the highlight, and then he'll give you the insight and the and the, yeah, the mean, data. So I, what? It's totally redundant to have move the sticks paid by the Chargers. Some would move the sticks. Hearing this, might argue that it hit, hit what you know. Don't don't step on his part of the role here. But fair enough. I don't like what you're doing there. You're trying to create dissension. <laughs> I think Matt made it very clear. Matt Money Smith, the voice of the Around the NFL podcast, what's going on in that booth. Philip Rivers threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns. That was like his moment. He was like, that's what I can do. He's like, I'm getting on the po- ATN podcast. Forget you, Sticks. He's been Scully. I'm on a successful has, has podcast. Has Sticks ever his, vo- his voice ever been included in any of these Chargers highlights that we've done? Very briefly, and I've instructed Erica to avoid it when possible. <laughs> Philip Rivers threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns, including that 18-yard hookup with Austin Eckler. Chargers cruise 30-10 win over. Now I'm not going to say it because they don't even deserve that. The miserable Miami Dolphins. Greg. The Chargers had rough losses in each of the past two weeks. Luckily, the schedule gods gifted them Sunday with potentially the worst NFL team of all time. Yeah, and the the Dolphins showed in this game for the second straight week that they can be competitive for a half, and they could have easily had the lead uh, after one half of this game, just like against Dallas, but, but they didn't. And then it's like the other team gets down to business. The Miami Dolphins has had 21 drives in the second half of games this year. On those 21 drives, they have failed to score a point. Oh, no. I mean, this is the NFL we're talking about. Ufa. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Oh, no. I, I don't know what more there is to say. Melvin Ingram got hurt in this game. That's a concern. Melvin Gordon did not play in this game, so he was active, but they An emergency did not u- need to use him. And uh, Philip Rivers did what he does, which, I, which is an underrated part of uh, his skill set. He improvises really well. You don't think of him as kind of an improv guy, but that Austin Eckler touchdown, for instance, was him moving up, looking to his fourth read, and he just kind of makes something out of nothing on a lot of these plays, and that, that's all he needed to do. The Dolphins' point differential of minus 137 is the worst through four games of season since at least 1940. The previous worst, 1954 Redskins, Minus 122, so the Dolphins have blown them out of the water. I mean, they are going to set some records, not the ones that they were, they're going to be tweeting out for the next 200. And again, Rose, like Rosen started out the game well. Six for six, 102 yards and a touchdown. They didn't punt or turn the ball over in the first half. I mean, their offense played pretty well in the first half. And still, when you look at this Dolphins team, I think maybe the most frustrating thing is all the guys that in theory would you would want to be core guys – are playing terrible. I mean, Charles Harris, their defensive end, is doing nothing. Kalen Balaz is doing nothing. Jerome Baker and the CFL um, linebacker that they were all excited oh, Sam about. Sam McGuffin. 
going into the season, they're not playing well. Like the the young guys who you would want to be building around are are some of the most disappointing players, and so that's like an extra layer of pain for this team. That was a that's now 120 regular season wins for Phil Rivers, the first he ever had in Miami. His quote: "It has been a long time. Myself, I haven't played worth a hoot there the last two times. Rough days for us. It was good to win. Is a hoot bad? No, it's like hoot, worth an ass. It's great. You know." This game was a hoot. Yeah, I don't know. Just rolling up on him. I mean, he was about perfect today. To Sunday night football. Two seconds left on the clock. This will be the last play of the game. Dak Prescott in the gun. Three receivers to the far side. Takes the snap. Saints bring five. Prescott throws this one. It's not even going to get to the end zone. It is intercepted. Marcus William and the New Orleans Saints take this one from the Dallas Cowboys. 12-10 to 10 on a phenomenal Defensive performance. Oh, yes. Marcus Williams, there is life after the Minneapolis miracle. Zach Streif, Saints Radio Network, with the call. An excellent defensive effort by New Orleans to get that final stop on the Dak Prescott Hail Mary. Closing it out, a 12-10 win over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. A game in which Teddy Bridgewater, again, stepping in for Drew Brees, the Saints didn't light it up on offense, but Wes, when they needed the defense to step up, they sure did, and a great Cowboys offense really had no answers tonight. We were questioning a few weeks ago if they should be going with Taysom Hill instead of Teddy Bridgewater, and Teddy hasn't played great, but this team is now 2-0 and without Breeze, and the two teams they've beaten haven't lost to anyone else. I think Saints fans would have been happy splitting these last two games mm. if you told them that a few weeks ago. And now they're sitting pretty. And you can't say enough about their defense, their leadership, their coaches to to win against on the road at Seattle and then to beat a Dallas team that looked gangbusters through three weeks. It's a come to come down to earth game for the Kellen Moore and this Cowboys offense. I mean, any thought that, okay, hey, we haven't really – we've played three of the worst defenses in the league, and now they come out – they put up 10 points. They put up 250 yards. This is very similar to the Cowboys-Saints game last year, which was 13-10. to 10. This is 12-10. to 10. Both games had under 500 yards of total offense. Neither of these teams moved the ball, but the Saints are loving it because I think the Saints and what we saw today with the Bucks game and we saw it in Packers-Eagles, and we've seen you have to be able to win different sorts of games, I think. There's no you're not going to win just with defense or just with offense. You got to be able to adapt. And the Saints have shown that they can win with Camara and a little bit of uh, magic, a little bit of situational football. I thought that against Seattle in Seattle last week, the Saints controlled the line of scrimmage with their defense early, and they made life very tough for Seattle's ground game. And then in this, it translates again: 1.9 yards per carry for Ezekiel Elliott, who never really wow. got unhooked. And the Saints teams of olds that we covered for years, if you said New Orleans is going to score 12 points with Teddy Bridgewater, no way do they win those games. They're a much more balanced team. They're well-built. And any victory with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback is a coup d'etat at this point. To go 2-0 and on this journey so far, they're going to run away with this division if they keep this mm. up. Like we said, Teddy was up and down in this game, and his worst moment uh, came in his final possession, his last snap. They are in field goal range, up two points, uh, and he gets overwhelmed by a, a strong uh, Dallas pass rush, loses about 14 yards on a sack. Uh, instead of having Will Lutz, who's almost automatic, attempting to put you up five, you have to punt it away, and the Cowboys take over fairly deep in their own end. Uh, however, 
in addition to the failure to get into field goal range, as you heard uh, the interception there that sealed the game, Tyron Smith, the star left tackle for the Cowboys, Jerry Jones said after the game, has a high ankle sprain. And we talked about high ankle sprains, a terrible injury because you never know how long, how much time it could cost you, but they tend to linger. It's the same uh, type of injury that Saquon Barkley has. Well, now uh, the blindside protector of the vaunted Dallas offensive line could be on the shelf for some time. We'll have to see how that plays out. That's, that is a, a massive lot. I mean, that was a, a terrible moment for the Cowboys. And they, they play against the Darius Smith and Preston Smith in that Green Bay Packers defense next week. I mean, that's, that's why we like the NFL. It flips pretty quickly that the Cowboys suddenly, okay, they've, they've got some issues to work out. The Saints are feeling good. I liked what Daniel Jeremiah, I know, um, you know you've taken some shots at him, Dan, on, well, with good some, reason. on this episode. With good reason. I liked what he tweeted earlier today, which was essentially, at, don't put much stock into the previous month, what's happened. The preseason's sort of o- over. The, most of these teams and the players have knocked the rust off. You've kind of put out the tape the tape into the ether, like Kellen Moore, that now other teams have a feel of, okay, what's this team doing this year? And moving forward, you kind of, this is where we start learning about teams. I think there's a lot to that. You don't like to think that the last month was meaningless, but there's some of that that the teams are going to be so different. And that's why, especially for the Saints team that doesn't have Breeze, it doesn't matter how you're winning these games. Just stacking up wins is massive. Uh, be as ugly as you need to be. Get the win. And like just the fact that that division is crumbling around them to some degree, too. They have the Bucks next week, though. Teddy, Teddy said to Michelle Tafoya after the game, no one said it had to be pretty. It was not, but the Saints are feeling good right now. And as we hit the quarter pole of the season, and we're going to talk more about it this week on the Around the NFL podcast, uh, which is the show we're doing right now. I don't know. I'm saying it like I'm talking about a different show. This is the Around or the NFL podcast. Or as if you're telling us that. We're, it we're is, quite aware. The NFL is so wide open after this uh, preseason part two. Uh, <laughs> once you get past the only two undefeated teams, well, there's three, including the Niners, but the Patriots and Chiefs, it's really hard to figure out who's the true power players. But a Saints performance like this with Drew Brees getting closer, you feel confident having them, obviously, in that conversation. And the Cowboys as well, win or lose today. Uh, you, you feel good that these are two of the best teams in the league. Absolutely. I think mm. when you look at the league as a whole, is there even a third good team in the AFC? That's a question I would have. Well, I also want to see the Cowboys like perform against other competent defenses and, and see more. We know what, how strong that. their roster is. We know this This is a playoff caliber team. I don't think one loss at New Orleans changes. No, that. but I want to see their offense against more quality defense just oh, to, absolutely. to see what they and, do. And I wouldn't worry about records at this point at all because I'd take a Philadelphia Eagles team over other teams with better records right now because mm. they've played through a lot of ups and downs, and they what they did in Green Bay was huge. Okay, program note before we sign off. A reminder that a week from Friday, October 11th, at the Curtain in Shoreditch, London, England, the Around the NFL podcast is live and tickets go on sale Tuesday, this Tuesday, 7 p.m. GMT plus one. I don't know what that means. I'm just reading the copy and I hope it's very clear what that means. 7 p.m. GMT plus one on Tuesday. Tickets go on sale. Where do we have a Ricky? Do we have a link yet? It has not been announced yet. So uh, where can people find it? Where will it be? You should be looking at our, our socials. Around uh, the NFL around on the Twitter. NFL Keep handle, an eye our out. personals. We will, we will make we'll sure. We've all we tweeted have, it out. We have so. another show or two before. And tickets so. will go quickly. So be sharp on Tuesday. All right. That's it. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Ryan Bartlett, 
and the whole team behind the glass. Thank you to everyone. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.